Welcome to another edition of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. I'm Anthony T. In this edition, I will be chatting with film director and director of the Shauna Shea Film Festival, Skip Shea, as he'll be on the podcast to talk about his latest film, Seeds, the Mass Independent Film Festival, and the Shauna Shea Film Festival. That will be happening next segment. Right after I finish the intro here. Because it's a long interview. And we're not going to be here all day with this podcast. This is kind of an hour podcast. We can go over an hour a little bit. But we're not going to be here for an hour and 30 minutes. Like the old days where I would have an hour and 30 minute podcast. That ain't happening. And in what's Anthony T watching? What happens when you have Full Moon's greatest franchise with cameos from AEW wrestlers? You get Puppet Master Dr. Death. I will be reviewing that film in what's Anthony T watching. I'll be back with my interview with Skip Shea. Welcome to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast here, the discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the film, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. When you want more than a review, listen to Dark Discussions. And speaking of perception, there's just one more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto's a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Which is he's a robot, too. Oh, I consider the possibility. Right, and that's what I like, is the fact that the writers were smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> www.darkdiscussions.com Wherever podcasts are found. Every day there's a family struggling with hospital bills to care for their sick child who is fighting an illness. There's a woman who is fighting breast cancer and is having trouble making ends meet while paying for their treatment. And there are burn victims that are going through treatments to heal their deep wounds. There is a charity in the horror community that helps these people. Scares That Care is an organization that helps families deal with the bills for their child. They help women get the treatment they need to fight breast cancer. And they help people who are dealing with severe burns get the help they need to heal. Scares That Care is a 100% volunteer organization and 501c3 nonprofit charity that is dedicated to helping these people in fighting real monsters. To find out more information or to donate to Scares That Care, you can go to www.scaresthatcare.org. Every donation helps Scares That Care fight real monsters. Welcome back to T's Horror and Wrestling Show. I'm here with director... Shay, he is here to talk about his latest film, Seeds, which is released by Bayview Entertainment in Veepco. How are you doing today, Skip? Very good, Anthony. Thank you very much. How are you? Good. What made you want to get into filmmaking? Well, that it's um, I think I always wanted to do this, like since I was a kid, um, and then a lot of life events got in the way before I um, finally uh, decided to give it a go. Um, in fact, it wasn't until, you know, in this century when when I decided to start making films. It started 
more because I did a um, I did a one man show. Uh, uh, I performed it in New York and in, in Somerville, and uh, and then after that, it kind of got me into a little bit of acting locally. And then there was some of the um, uh, mostly you know the major films that come through here, mostly background acting. But you know if you watch Shutter Island and you see the the guy that's running around on the front lawn after the hurricane that they catch, that's me. So I had a, I had some fun scenes doing that. But but while I was doing the background work, I was just watching how everybody made films. So when you're on a the set like that, you're watching Martin Scorsese. I was in taking Woodstock, so I'm watching Ang, Ang Lee. So I'm watching some of the greatest, you know, ever uh, working on their craft. So then I, I finally decided to, to take a stab at it myself. And um, I, I would say, you know, I made, I started with shorts, uh, I, which are um, a viable art form in their own. But I also think it's a great place to learn because it's, it's better to make a mistake on something short than something large and long. But it was in, tw- in 2011 when I did a horror, horror short, Micro Cinema, that seemed to... Um, get some interest. So I did that. And then I followed that up with another horror short called Ave Maria, which ended up winning an audience award for best picture at a film festival in Rome, Italy. So I, I, after that, I decided, okay, I'm going to start trying to work on, on features. So I I think it was, got my years or so off. I think it was 2016 when I finally did my first feature Trinity. And then with the, the, especially again with Bayview, with the success of that, I, I sprung into Spreeds, Seeds. Besides being a film director, you're also the director of the Shona Shea Film Festival and Mass Indie Film Festival. Tell me about each of the film festivals that you run. Well, it, it's um they're part of the the Shauna Foundation. Uh, it's uh, I mean, sadly, I lost a daughter. Uh, Shauna um, was a twin. She died in, in on August 11th, 1999, in a car accident at the age of 16. And uh, her twin sister Erin, when she graduated, the year she was graduating from high school, they the her and her classmates did a walk in Shauna's honor, and they raised ten thousand dollars for us to start a scholarship fund with. And so, so it initially started as a scholarship fund. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we're doing things to to raise money for the scholarship fund. And one year we did a, a, a golf tournament and, and I, I, I like I despise golf. I really hate it. So the following year, I thought, well, why don't I just do a film festival to to raise money for the foundation? And that's when the Shauna Shea Film Festival was born. That was 11 years ago now. We just had our 10th anniversary last year. Um, and it was in one, uh, you know, one two hour block of shorts in Milbury at the Elm Draft uh, Cinema. And since then, the Shauna Foundation has grown to a point where we have two film festivals, our, our main one, the Shauna Shea Film Festival, and then we just took over the Massachusetts Independent Film Festival. Both of them, you know, we have four venues, uh, you know, four, three or four days long each show over between features and shorts. We show over 100 films. So it's grown incredibly. And as such, it's actually helped grow the foundation where we we now have a free poetry program we do free screenings in southbridge massachusetts uh we have a a a woman in film fellowship where we fund first-time female filmmakers we help them make their first short we we um premiere it at the festival we have an artist uh micro grant Uh, we're going to be starting several other programs so it's completely taken off far beyond the the expectations of anything that we ever thought we'd do in Shauna's name, the Shauna Film Festival, uh, in particular, that's more uh, of a fringe type festival because I make horror movies, so I get a, a lot of the more horror type things there. Uh, Mass Indie, we're, we're a little more mainstream, although that's since we've taken over, that's it's starting to go a little bit, you know, getting edgier as well. But that that's what we do. We we. We love showing small independent films. Uh, I, I think there's a need for it. I think there's a, definitely needs to be a home for them. And because of my relationship with Bayview, 
I can now recommend movies to Bayview and I can get distribution for some people. So we're really lucky with that uh, and grateful for that with, with the, the folks at, at Bayview. So that's that's the story. That's a big story behind uh, the film festivals in, in the Shauna Foundation. What made you want to take on the difficult task of running two film festivals? <laughs> you know, my therapist asks me the same question all the time. Um, I, I don't know. It's insanity. I, uh, Mass Indie, I, I, after this success with the Shauna, I, I sat on the board for Mass Indie and the, and the folks who were running it were kind of, um, wanting, wanted to move on. So I, I, you know, it was the, the, the choice was either folded or we take it. So we took it. And, and I'm, I'm grateful because we, it, it does give us an opportunity to show different types of, of films, um, that we would, that we not show at the Shauna Festival. Let's move on to your latest film, Seeds. Tell everyone about the film. Uh, it's a it's a folk horror tale, and it, it actually it is personal. I mean, that's a good segue after talking about the um, the Shauna Foundation. It was it, this is in a lot of ways my my movie about grieving uh, grieving parents, and and what they do and and how they try to make sense of things like that, and the extremes that they may go to to either. Um, accept it or or run away from it like in so it's basically about a couple who who have lost their daughter uh the husband andrew uh gives lectures on on old cults uh you know more of the celtic version and he's called off to mysteriously to go to this this little village in the woods where he's he heard he had an uncle who lived there and and he has to deliver some seeds and then his his wife who is psychic realizes something terrible is happening there or may happen there so she goes to save him or find him and in the the oh in the meantime overlooking all of this is the catholic church who desperately wants the secrets of of the cult to me this film felt like one of those european style type horror films that you would see from like a Jess Franco or Jean Roland. What made you want to do the film in that style? It, that, that is incredibly insightful. I, I, I am a sucker for foreign films. I really am. Uh, I, I love folk horror films. Uh, all of the great folk horror films are British made. Um, I bought the Severin package of, of folk horror uh, films. I think it came out two years ago. And before that, I even have a, a region-free DVD Blu-ray player, so I could see like movies like Robin Redbreast. It was a very old, black and white um, folk horror film from the UK. But that the same, alternatively, I'm also drawn to you know the Italian horror in a very big way. So I I, I tend to have with, with Trinity as well. I, people have made the comment that they seem more like. European films, but I think that's that's because I, I tend to lean more that way creatively, and I think um, even there seems to be a formula here with, with that, that people get trapped into, American filmmakers. Well, I shouldn't say trapped, because they, they can make however they want to make it, but I, I, I think there is some uh, there's a liberating feel to the way that, that they make films in Europe where they just seem to be far more creative in the storytelling aspect of it, where it isn't, it isn't like a, you know, a three act plot, um, you know, the, or the same character arc. It can, it can be none of those things. And, and I love the, the freedom that that, that allows me as a filmmaker and an artist. The film is presented in black and white as opposed to the traditional color format. What made you want to go for a black and white presentation? That 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 goes directly to Robin Redbreast. That's a black and white uh, folk horror film, and and it's it had such an impact on me that I wanted to kind of put this in the same camp with that. I'm I'm old, uh, and I I mean I'm a sucker for black and white movies anyway. I mean my favorite. Filmmakers, you know, and they're all European, but like Fellini or, or Bergman, uh, Antonioni, there's that certain era 
uh, the the French New Wave um, of of European films that was so liberating and how they told stories, and most of them were in black and white. So I am completely drawn to that. Genre fans might know two of the stars of this film: Kip Weeks from The Strangers, and legendary Italian horror actress Barbara Mag Magno Leaf from Dario Argento's Suspiria. What made you want to bring those actors on board for this film? I had become friendly with Kip uh, on another project, the documentary, uh, The Man Behind the Mask, uh, by, I think that's the name of it, by Stacey Buchanan and Jess Barnthouse. And um, we just really hit it off. Um, and I, I thought it, it would, you know, and it was. I thought it would be a joy to work with him, and it was a joy to work with him. He's he's an uh, incredibly giving actor. And you said it. I mean, she's legendary. Why wouldn't I want to work with Barbara McNulty? Um, she's uh, she's she is all that. And, and in particular, I've, although part of it was because um, of the success of my short Ave Maria and then subsequently Trinity uh, in Italy, that, that I really uh, I really wanted uh, uh, an Italian actress in it. And and luckily Barbara became available for me, so uh, so I took advantage. Besides that, what was it like casting the other lead roles in the film? As the cast in this film was very good, including the film's lead Emma McKenzie. Uh, uh, Emma, I am there's to work at at my level, which is incredibly low budget. And, and I was, could say the same for Trinity. In, in Trinity, the lead was, was Sean Carmichael, and in Seeds, it's, it's Emma McKenzie. I, I cannot tell you how lucky I am that I found her. I've just known her from around the local film scene. Uh, I would see her at, at events. And she had this incredible Irish accent, which if you're doing a folk horror, um, you really want to hearken back to that. You really want to that that gives it a, to me a much more authentic feel. Now anyone can can be here from Ireland with an I, Irish accent, but it doesn't mean they can act. She's amazing, and and, and I, I amazing in every way. And I have to say this because working at this level sometimes it's it's stop and go. It's not like we have okay here's the budget that we're going to shoot for these thirty days straight and then that's it. Sometimes things interrupt it. And so she had to maintain her character's arc, her character's story uh, emotionally while it was way out of order. And she did it brilliantly. I mean, I, I can't I can never say enough ab about her performance. She carries this movie. This would be nothing without her. She's she's incredible. What was it like casting the other roles in the film? Well, um, Patrick Bracken, who plays Andrew, uh, he's. If you come to either the Shaughnessy Film Festival or the Massachusetts Independent Film Festival, you'll see him as one of our hosts. Uh, he, he's a local stage actor in the in the Worcester area. Uh, I've seen his his plays, and then I thought, hey, you know, he's he's good and he works with us. So we had a discussion, and and he he was in. I was grateful for him. Aurora Gravel, who is um, uh, plays the 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 person who sacrificed. She's been in just about everything I've made. She she's in fact the the I'm hopefully when it, I'll, you'll see something sooner or later that we we have made together where she is the lead. She's an incredible, uh, and generous and, and local actor, um, and incredibly brave. Uh, I, I can't say enough for her. The premise of Seeds initially started, and it's a very strange story. Um, because I, you know, live in this little house in Uxbridge, and my neighbor, um, Damien Gaudet, uh, is a photographer, you know, DP guy, and he um, one day said, "Hey, come on, come on outside. I want to, you know, I want to, I want to take a portrait of you." I'm like, "Okay." And so it's raining out, so I go out in my black slicker, and then I have, you know, it's summer, I have my shorts on, and he hands me an axe, and um, takes my picture, and I'm like, "Okay." So and I put it up on Facebook or you know, wherever, and it gave, just got a lot of attention. And he's like, we have to do a story around that character. So that's why I'm in the movie. Um, and that's that's actually where the whole, uh, you know, no pun intended, seed of that story started. 
And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll play this guy, but I want to, um, I want it to be about grieving parents. And, and then, you know, then there was a lot of, you know, real hard personal things in there as I'm a man who, who apparently kills his own daughter and, and seeds, uh, but, you know, somehow gets her resurrected. So there's, uh, you know, there are a lot of personal layers in this movie that, um, you know, the normal viewer won't understand, nor should they understand. Uh, you know, it's only me, you know, telling the story that I think some might get it. But, um, but that's, that's how I got in it. Uh, and I don't normally, um, I wouldn't recommend acting and directing at the same time. It's really difficult. There were times when I knew my, my mind was on the next shot and not what I was saying. Um, so we, we, we had to do it again. So that, that can take a, take up too much time. But, but we did it and, and, uh, and everyone else. I mean, I've, I've known, I have a relationship with just about everyone else who performed in it, a personal relationship. So I'm, I'm, you know, when I mentioned Bergman before, like a director like Ingmar Bergman, who always seemed to work with the same group of people, I'm, I'm turning into that. I found like my family, my film family that I'm very comfortable working with. And, um, and they're it. That's, you see them in seeds. Speaking of the difficulties that you endured when you were acting and directing, can you go into that a little more? Yes. Um, in particular, the, there's a scene when I'm sitting with Aurora at a bar and, and we're, you know, talking, uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying you don't have to go through this. And, and she's telling me I don't have she's she's preparing for to be sacrificed and I'm preparing to go um, kill a man. Um, and we're both telling each other we, we don't need to go through this. And the, the, the first several takes, I'm, I'm literally thinking, uh, is the camera in the right place? Um, how's the lighting? Am I hearing noise behind me? And instead of thinking about my character, my lines, uh, and we had to literally break for me to just sit down and, and get into that, that space. And, and, and again, credit to Aurora. Um, for being my scene partner in that, who who really helped me get back into character. But you know, that's the the, the several times doing it um, while I'm thinking of something else uh, takes time away from us moving forward. So that that's um, I was better prepared after that to continue with the with the shooting of the movie. But that was a, an incredible learning experience. I, and if I know some people are very comfortable with acting in their own films and, and that's good for them, but I'm, I'm not, I, I don't, I would, I may do it again, but I, again, I would have to, it would have to be one of those situations where, uh, well, I'm here, let's, let's use me, <laughs> that type of thing, <laughs> uh, as opposed to, um, you know, just to casting myself. Um, I mean, I, I enjoyed being in it. I enjoyed acting with everyone. That's, uh, I, I do enjoy acting, but it was, uh, it was a challenge. Tell me about the locations where you shot this film, as it had a secluded and gothic feel to them. Yes, I hike almost, you know, when I can, almost daily, uh, uh, along the rivers around here. Um, I'm, I'm just north of Providence along the Blackstone River. And, um, and I, oddly enough, the Blackstone River, uh, the, it's, it's, the legend has it that, that when Lovecraft ran out of ideas, he would travel up the Blackstone River into like the area where I live to come up with new ideas. Um, so, but it, just literally walking by the river, I, you know, stumbled across those two trees that had fallen on each other that looked like a gateway to something. That was just luck. That was just me wandering around, you know, in my local neighborhood. It's, it's, probably less than a quarter of a mile away from me right now. The the execution scene was pretty much in my backyard. The house, the gothic house, as some friends, and they actually act in it, and, uh, in it uh, Vincent uh, and Nicole, um, uh, th that's, that's their place. And, and literally, that's their place. When I say it, that's all this, the, the taxidermy, everything is theirs. I didn't have to do a thing. That place is amazing. It's an amazing house. But the most exciting thing to me was the ferry. That's the same ferry that's used in Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Uh, the 1972, I believe it is, horror film. One of my all-time favorite horror movies. So I, I you know, got 
you know, Patrick in a car and, you know, Chris, the, the DP, and we, we, we drove down to uh, Connecticut to, to cross the Connecticut River in, in this ferry. And the guy on the ferry was incredible, the loose ferry, because he kept saying, uh, he saw us. He's like, oh, you guys making you know a film? And we're like, yeah. So we were the only people on the boat because we went at a time of day when it wouldn't be busy. And he, um, he, so he drove up the river. He just drove around. <laughs> we got everything we needed and brought us back. He was an incredibly nice guy. I mean, uh, very, very helpful. Uh, I, I appreciate it. But I was really excited to get the, that. I mean, it's kind of, it's the same to me as working with Barbara, as working with Kip, as making it black and white like, like, um, uh, Robin Redbreast, like, making a folk horror film. There's this, there's this great, historic lineage and actually i should say let's scare jessica to death because it's also new england uh, there's this great lineage of horror that that i really want seeds to be a part of and and having those actors in it having these locations in new england i have it be in black and white have it be in folk horror. i have uh emma with with, with an, an irish actor emma from ireland um which and it played well in ireland the movie um it, it's I, I feel it has, even though it's a small, low-budget film, there, there's a place in the lineage of horror movies for this to, where it fits nicely. What is the atmosphere like on set, considering this is a serious horror film? I I do my best to keep it light. I, I will be the first person to crack a joke, because uh, ultimately... I mean, everyone brought their A game. Everyone's involved. But I, I, again, this goes to going on a set and watching how other directors behaved and how, what it took to get the best out of your cast and crew. And it's never to be a distant or mean or, or direct, you know, person. You can be direct. You can say, this is what I need. But it also has to, you really have to build a team effort. It has to feel like you're a team, and and I'm, I'm really big on on humor to to break, you know those 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 hard moments to to make everyone relax because I I I love, you know, making movies. I love doing doing all this. I love that I've been able to do this, but but I also understand that like we're not we didn't cure cancer, you know we're not we're I want to keep keep in perspective who we are. And, and, and we're working at a level where it, it really is everyone's commitment that matters. Um, so I, you, you, I have to do everything I can to make it as, as comfortable and open for everyone. And yet at the same time, get us all to work. It's a very good question because I, I know people, I've been on sets where, you know, local independent filmmakers and they're kind of suddenly act Hollywood, you know, and, and I'm thinking you're not going to get, you're just going to get people angry and not want to work with you. The goal is is to just have everyone go home happy. Who is the toughest scene to film? The toughest scene to film, and this was probably it was actually because um, because of practical effects. It was that uh, David Graziano played played the priest, Father Tom. Uh, it was actually the the toughest scene was his head in the bucket. Um, scene that practical effect that we did for that because uh, it was just hard i mean he had to you know get on I, it was on a piece of plywood uh on two sawhorses you know with a hole in it so he, you know stick his head up in the, the hole in the bottom of the bucket then i put the dirt and the leaves and everything else on top of the plywood then we get in a ladder and shot down from there but it was just an awkward place for him to crawl underneath and, and get in there where he it was a struggle it was a struggle that took a lot longer than it should have but that was a uh, that was probably the most challenging technically uh, emotionally the most challenging was was there were two two parts uh the opening emma's opening monologue at at the the diner with her friend was dif- difficult emotionally because as 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 a grieving dad, a lot of the things that she said uh, were direct quotes from me that I had said to people, and and similarly when 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 the, all the tables are turned at the end, when you know it's suddenly uh, it's a you know the matriarch 
Emma's character versus the patriarch, the cardinal. That final scene when when she uh, takes control over everything was also a very emotional uh, scene. Uh, so emotionally, those those were challenging for all of us. Uh, everyone uh, had to be mostly respectful for Emma because she had to perform those things. But those those were the um, one the scenes that I really had to make sure. Uh, we nailed, and we did, because, again, because it was Emma. Another thing that I liked in this film was the score. Tell me about the composer, as he does a very good job with it, as it gave the film an added level of dread and suspense, which is needed for a film like this. Yes, uh, Sean McPherson, or, or Shooty H.G., S-H-O-O-T-I-E-H-G., He's, um, oddly enough, he moved back here from L.A. I knew him when he was a, uh, a high school student, and and I wasn't. I just knew uh, I was working there at the time. And he, he moved to L.A. He started a, um, he was in a metal band, a Hostile Groove, which was an incredible metal band. Um, and they did fairly well out there, but he moved, he moved back home uh, and started, he just does sound work. And one day I just accidentally bumped into him. This was with my previous movie, Trinity. And I said to him, oh, my God, this sounds a mess. This guy promised me he was going to fix it. Because I hadn't seen him in years, and, and he says to me, what's wrong? Actually, I, I take that back. I, I give Sean so much credit because he flew out from L.A. for my daughter's funeral. And I, I saw him then. And then he came to one of our film festivals. But anyway, he um he so he saved Trinity. He fixed all the sound for, for my movie, Trinity. And then... I told him I was making this, and I mean, he was a musician, and he said, so, who, who are you, you going to have to score it? And I said, well, do you want to? And he's like, yeah. Uh, and it, it was an incredible experience. Because, you know, I sent him uh, stuff that I, you know, thought he should hear, but he already had his ideas. I mean, he, he's the type of person who listens to scores, uh, you know, just on his own. And But there was the, the scene... When Emma's in the house before she slips and falls and hits her head. And, um, so she, she has this like assault of psychic images coming at her. But that's not how the scene was or- originally edited. It was edited as this very slow and creepy thing. And I wanted this tone of dread. And then he sent me that, that like jarring, you know, music. And he said, I don't know if this works for that scene. And I said, it does. I just have to re- recut it. And it made it so much better. So he actually scoring it. I tweaked the edit because his score was so good. He made the movie so much better. Uh, and, and he's, he's local. And if anyone's local looking A for a sound guy or B for someone to do their, their, uh, um, score and he's the one. I mean, he, he's, he's done, uh, you know, songs for games like Final Fantasy, uh, and what is it? Devil, Devil May Care or something. I'm not a gamer. But he he's actually does songs for games. So, I mean, he has a very decent following by people who just know him for that. But no, his his I agree, his his score was incredible and spot on. How did you come up with the film's story? Um, well, that that goes back to the folk horror thing, although I I was um I was going to use the mandrake root instead of apple seeds. The mandrake root um, looks creepy and it looks like a deformed person, very expensive and very hard to find. So this will go to uh, a Shaun of Shea Film Festival connection. Colin Graham and, and Laura Graham from they're in Scotland now. They were in Ireland then. Uh, filmmakers who came over, we showed their one of their movies, um, and then they they stayed with us for a few days. And I'm explaining, hey, I'm writing this story. I'm going to use the mandrake root, and uh, Laura said to me you have to use the apple seed and she that 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 lecture that that patrick gives us andrew talking about the history of of, of apple seeds and how they were used as as mystical things is absolutely true everything he's saying there is a, a, actual truth um she sent me things on on the legend of of the apple and cutting it in half and it looks like da vinci's uh vitruvian man she she gave me that she and she said some people believe that so much so in the mystical powers of of the apple that they use it as a name and then she she pointed to the Beatles 
They'll use the a- Apple label and then Apple, like the Mac computer I'm using right now to talk to you. They use those things for a purpose. I was like, oh my God, there's a lot more to this than I can have imagined. I shifted it from the mandrake root to, to the apple and to the apple seeds that way. Now, um, one thing we, we, we didn't get into and I, and I'm going to, um, that's a bad way to preface anything. But, um, my, my film Ave Maria, my film Trinity and seeds, um, are also, is also a part of my, my, storytelling as a survivor of clergy sexual abuse. I was abused by priests when I was a kid. So part of the, the, I already knew that I needed to have something with the church and with the cardinal in seeds, because I do that in a lot of my films. Now I kind of try to tell that story. And in this version, I really wanted to get more into the Vatican bank that this looks more than a business that than 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 anything else as well as showing an abusive priest who, who, you know, gets what's coming to him. Um, and actually he's, if you see Trinity, he's the, 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 the priest from Trinity. They're both of the, both of the movies are connected, but, but not in a, in a direct way, but in a, but in a very small way. When I was writing it, I knew that I needed the church. I knew that I needed, you know, grieving parents. And so what I eventually did with, with seeds was that I kind of replaced the, the masculine version of the Holy Trinity with a feminine version of the Holy Trinity. You know, you have uh, Emma Maka is the mother, uh, Aurora who comes back is the daughter, and then the spirit guide is, is the Holy Spirit. So I, I've kind of make, made this almost the rise of the matriarchy and the fall of the patriarchy as well. Again, there's a lot of stuff to this that a lot of people you know, don't know unless I say it. So... All of those were the ideas that I had to put on a whiteboard before I, I wrote a story. And then and this is what came out. Speaking of religion, what makes you keep coming back to that topic in your films? Well, I mean, as a survivor, that that's a that's an easy answer. Because, A, it gets, gives me the opportunity to continue to talk about it because um, I don't, nothing has been done about it the abuse of clergy abuse of kids. And I, so I want to keep the story going. Now, a lot of people have asked me, is this a cathartic thing for me? Uh, and no, it, it isn't that. I mean, the, my one man show was about my life, you know, clergy abuse survivor, you know, losing a daughter. And it was, believe it or not, it was mostly a comedy because you can't really talk about those things uh, straight without, without people, you know, running for the doors. And I also found that horror works the same way. If you put put a horror shield in front of it, it's easier to then have people have these these discussions of, about, hey, what's the church doing now uh, to protect kids? And what are they doing to take care of the people that they didn't take care of before? And the biggest part of why I keep doing that is because I will get an email from someone who's watched this or, or who hears me on your show and they'll tell me, I'll be the first person they'll say, tell their story to, because they'll feel safe. And that's the first step in healing. I, I do it for everyone else who needs to heal. I'm fine. Uh, you know, I can I can do this stuff. I can take, you know, whatever hits come my way for, for doing this work. But I, I do this for, for everyone else who is still kind of in the shadows because of this, because it's not easy to come forward. Uh, and people lose family members. They, they lose friends. They, you know, they lose a lot of things when they come forward. So, uh, I'm just letting them know that, uh, that I'm still here and, and I'm in their corner. This is a film that tends to lean towards the odd house side of horror. What made you want to tell a story that goes for more of a slow burn and dialogue heavy approach? I am. Like I love art house cinema. Uh, I guess you know, make what you love. Uh, I, I, that's the stuff I love. So that's the the route I go. I, I mean, I, I, I think eventually, you know, maybe uh, the the next one, you know, maybe a little more like graphically violent, but it'll still be have an art house feel to it, and it'll still be very surreal and absurdist. I, I just, I love art house cinema, and it, and it's. It's a it's a shame what's happening to them. 
I mean, around here, I mean, they still have the Avon in Providence, uh, but around here, other than the Avon, uh, you know, I have to go to like Cambridge or, or Brookline for, for any art house movies when I used to be able to just go to Worcester or, or the cable car in Providence, which I loved. Uh, and I think this, this in a lot of ways, again, speaks to the importance of, of smaller film festivals like ours, because we have these, these smaller uh, art house and, and, and foreign films that we show at both of these film festivals, uh, because I, I, these are, they're incredible forms of art. I mean, there's a reason they're called art house because it, it, it's viewed as an art form. And I am not, I'm not a person who, who sits here and says, Oh my God, I don't, I hate these Marvel movies because hey, I don't, I really enjoy them. But, but I, I think for some reason people miss that that's also art. Um, and I, art house films give people the realization that they are, they're actually viewing the work of artists. The, everyone involved in, in a film is an artist from, you know, the writer, the director, the actors, the DP, the sound guy is an artist. The, the people who design the sets are artists. The makeup people are artists. I mean, they're all creating art. Uh, and, and so that's kind of why I lean that way towards art house cinema, because I, I, I really want people to think of movies as an art form, all movies, none excluded as an art form. Another thing that this film does well is focus on the topic of mental illness. What made you want to include that as part of the main story? As a survivor of clergy sexual abuse, I am a person with mental illness. I have PTSD. So I, I, I wanted to include her struggles. And part of those struggles, uh, especially when grieving, and especially because you don't know, am I going crazy or is this part of a grieving process? And that that's real, you know, to anyone who, who has a deep, you know, a deep, you know, grieving, of, especially like the, the loss of a child there. You kind of think you're losing your mind. But at the same time, do you want to mask it with anything uh, or do you feel like you need to go through the process? But I, I wanted to show her. And, and I'm, I'm not this wasn't any t- type of um, anti-med statement. I, I wasn't saying that in this movie at all, I believe. You know, people need meds and, and they 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 are there for for a purpose. But she was also grieving. And I think that's what I was getting to at this. But but I I, I wanted not only to see how to show how um, what it, what it's like with a person with mental illness, but but the the, the more this, how the effect that your illness might have on somebody else um, like he like Patrick's character, Andrew, was also grieving. And and his way of grieving, which I used to scoff at, like the you know, like they, uh, there's that movie, um, like Don't Look Now with Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie, Nicholas Rogue's film, and it's about grieving parents, uh, and they go to his work in Venice, and all he's doing is working, 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 and I kept thinking that's crap. All they do is show is the men working and the women grieving, and then I actually took a step back and look at my life, and I'm like, oh my god, all I'm doing is working. I'm not grieving. I'm not allowing myself that those moments. So, you know, when he says to her, I'm not going to let your mental illness, you know, stop my growth. That's a that's a really tough scene for people because uh, it's something you're you're he should be the caretaker for her as, as you know, she's grieving and with mental illness. But at the same time, he does have his own life to live. So it's it's a very uh, tough moral uh, dilemma that, that I put that character in intentionally, you know, just because I, I, I think people make those choices every day with, with, with family members with mental illness and people with mental illness because they don't want to become that extra burden either. And I, I think instead of how they acted in seeds, I think it, it's, it's a place for a dialogue um, that people need to have. So th- there's, again, you know, I don't know that that scene will cause a dialogue, but, uh, but I'm hoping so. I mean, I mean, I'm hoping people think about it after they see it. What made you want to add the psychic aspect as well? I, I think there might be, you know, and I, again, I could just be a crazy grieving father, but I think that there's something to that stuff. I, I, I think that there, I, I, I know, I believe, that's the best way to put it. I believe that there, there are people who have an ability and, and it, it's hard to scoff at. And when we look at the limitations uh, that that uh, that our eyes can see. Our eyes can only take in so much light. 
from a, from from a certain prism. And there's so much that our eyes just can't see and that our brains can't process. The same with our ears. We can only hear a certain decibels. It doesn't mean the others don't exist. So so for us to say if we can't see it, if we can't hear it, if we can't feel it, it doesn't exist is kind of um, a, a, a limited way to look at things because we already know that there are things beyond the grasp of what our, our, the limitations of our, our human body can, can give. But I'll, I'll tell you a story. There was this, um, I, go, I go to a medium and, and talk with my daughter. And I went to one, I went once, and Shauna said, um, this is about my movie Trinity. I was just starting to submit it to film festivals and hadn't announced that it was done. And this, the poor person reading me has no idea what, what the heck this conversation's about. And so she wants, you know, Shauna wanted to know why I didn't tell anybody the movie was done. And I said, well, I'm waiting till it's in a film festival. She's like, no, you gotta let everybody know now. You gotta, she's like my agent. Yeah, you have to let everybody know now. And then she said, why didn't you submit Trinity to South America? And I said, why? It never occurred to me to submit it to South America. And she said, well, just Brazil and Argentina. Submit it to Brazil and Argentina. So that day I went home and I submitted Trinity to a film festival in both Brazil and Argentina. And within four months, I was accepted at both and ultimately won awards at both. Um, and that is so strangely specific advice that it's hard for me to ignore that 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 there isn't something else out there. Obviously, I've had more more personal, you know, conversations with the medium and Sean of that way. But that's I, I think a, a an odd filmmaker story of 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 my my thing uh, of that. But again, this is what I believe. I'm not telling anyone else they have to believe what I believe. I, I'm I'm not that. But that's I I I wanted to include that there because I I think. There's there's a saying, and I know that there's um, people in Ireland have said this, but there's when when people are grieving, they they believe the veil is thinnest between our world and their world. It is when you can see both sides when you're in the the throes of grieving, um, and and so I also wanted to honor that that theory. I'm, I hope I'm not like making you go, oh my god, this guy's nuts. No problem. The film is being distributed by Bayview Entertainment and Vipco. How did the distribution deal come about? Uh, I, I already had a deal with them for Trinity. I, I got that through um, the movie agency. Uh, Philip, who works at the movie agency, was my sales agent for Trinity. He got me into Bayview. I started my relationship with Bayview then. So I just said to them, hey, <laughs> you want to see my new movie? And they said yes. It was so easy. It shouldn't be that easy. What projects do you have on the horizon? I'm really, really working very hard um, in, in, in the film festivals and creating more programs for the Shauna Foundation. So that's really pushing my, my creative side off. And I started a, a, a movie called Florence pre-COVID. And then COVID hit. Then I came back and was started you know, working on all these projects. Uh, programs for the the foundation so i'm i'm trying to kick that back up and then who knows i mean uh, that might be like my my grand finale that might be it i mean i'm i'm uh, i'm 63 i'm i mean an older guy i started this very late in life and you know then i can you know focus more on on uh the foundation but i, I really do want to um i really want to get this one finished because i i think it's again it'll be a very art house uh, very surreal, very absurdist. I'm looking more towards uh, absurdism as philosophy as, as each day passes. And uh, so it'll be more that, but it'll definitely be horror and it'll, it will have its extreme moments. Those have already been shot. So uh, I, that, and then other than that, right, it's just focusing on, on the Shauna Foundation. When are your film festivals? The Coming up right now, I mean, it's the if you go to uh, shaunafoundation.org, right now you'll see the the link, the, the poster for Mass Indie. Click on that uh, poster, and it'll take you to the schedule and the ticket sales. So the ticket sales went live today. It's April 12th through the 15th. April 12th is at Starlight in Southbridge, one block opening night of shorts. Uh, the next three days are in Worcester at uh, the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Worcester. 
and it's Studio 50, which is the uh, the front room at the WICN radio station. Very cool space. I'm really excited to be there. Uh, and then we do have a special free screening at um, at Clark University on Friday of two documentaries that's free to students, free to anyone. And it'd be really good to talk back because actually it's a Rhode Island story. Um, one of them is uh, the, the we're going to show the first episode of the Slatersville doc that's on PBS Rhode Island now uh, about the history of the Slatersville Mill by Christian De Resendez. And Christian will be on hand uh, to talk. And I think I think it's an interesting should be an interesting conversation because we have you know a lot of documentary filmmakers, but it's one thing to make a documentary. It's another one to make a docu series. I think it's eleven episodes long, which is incredible. It's like it, you know, it's, it's it, he put ten years into it. It's an incredible piece of work. So we really wanted to, you know, I'm happy that Clark University's on board with letting us uh, use their big hall for it, and um, that'll be a fun event. So you know, we have our our foreign films, our our uh, Saturday morning final day uh, at noon is our horror block, uh, horror shorts. Everyone uh, that's generally sells out because people love their their horror movies. But it'll it'll be a a fun day. So that's in April. The Shauna Festival is in September, uh, the week of the 21st. I'm not sure uh, the dates. I don't have them in front of me, but it's the the week of the 21st, and it's the it'll be the Wednesday through Saturday again, all the same locations. Opening in Starlight, uh, we'll probably and uh, and the two others in Worcester. I don't know if we'll have anything at Clark with that. And that, this one will be a lot more. Uh, the Shauna will be a lot more fringe. I mean, we say it's a fringe fringe festival. You know, I don't know if I can swear on here, but but somebody had a, a hashtag for us once that was, you know, fringes f. Um, so, like, <laughs> wow, okay, that's good. Um, but it, but it is good because in a way, uh, I, I mean, sh- we lost Shauna in 1999, but she was very fringe. Uh, so this this kind of this honors her in ways that people don't don't understand. So I'm appreciative of that, and I thank you for asking about that. Um, but those are the the two the two festivals coming up. Just go to shaunafoundation.org. S H A W N A foundation.org and where can they find you on social media and on the web uh social media um it's just skip shay <laughs> it's pretty simple uh you'll find me as skip shay on facebook twitter and instagram uh mostly on facebook and twitter though i think i'm skip shay 01 or 02 on twitter because i'm there there's another one out there somewhere well, Skip, I want to thank you for coming on to my podcast. Thank you for having me, Anthony. I, I, this was great. I really, really appreciate this. Have a good day. You too. Thanks. Hey, guys. This is Stephen Christina. I'm the founder, owner, creator, and host of Super Retro Throwback Reviews. Are you looking for the best movie reviews, music reviews, video game reviews, and Comic-Con coverage all around? Well, then look no further. Definitely check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on YouTube and our new audio podcast, the new and improved Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Files version 2.0 on the following media distributors. Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Class is over, John. Time for something new and improved. Hi, I'm Anthony T. And I'm director Andrew Duran. And we are the Two From Hell. And we're putting Rated R back into podcasting. Every month we will be dropping an episode on the Doc Discussions Network. We'll be chatting about some of our favorite films, news, reviews, and maybe interviews. You can find Two From Hell on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast providers. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at 2 from Hell Podcast. Trust me, you're seriously not going to want to miss the show. Anthony T's horror and wrestling show on these social media platforms at Anthony T's horror and wrestling on Facebook, Instagram, and the Slasher app on YouTube at youtube.com/slash Media on podcast providers 
like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify, and other major podcast providers. And you can also join Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show group over on Facebook. Just type in Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show in the group section. What's Anthony T watching this episode? Well, I told you in the beginning that I would be reviewing a full moon features film featuring AEW stars. That's right, we have wrestlers in a film, everyone. The film is Puppet Master Dr. Death. That's doctor with a K and not a C. This is basically... A spin-off film of Retro Puppet Master, which was first released to video stores in 1999, which I think is one of the better entries in the Puppet Master franchise. I know it's probably the less glorious of all the Puppet Masters, but I thought it was one of the better ones in that franchise. So when news came out last year that Full Moon Features is doing Puppet Master Dr. Death, I was very interested to see how they would approach this film, if this would be a more of a prequel or current day. This takes place in the current day, which is very interesting because in the current day of the Puppet Master series, we've only seen literally the core group of puppets, you know, Blade, Tunnler, Pinhead, Jester, Six Shooter, those puppets. But, it was very interesting to see one of the retro puppets in present day. At least it makes for an interesting film to have one of these retro puppets in the current timeline of the series. And the other thing that really excited me about this entry of the Puppet Master series was the fact that it had two stars from All Elite Wrestling. That's right. Laura Dennis, who you might know as the Bunny... And Jesse Gomete, who you know as the Blade, make cameos in this entry of the Puppet Master series. Now this, I think, came about during Charles Band's Full Moon Freak Show podcast as the two were interviewed on that podcast, which is a good listen. Check that podcast out if you can. It's currently in a hiatus, but I really enjoyed the first season of Charles Band's Full Moon's Freak Show. It's definitely worth a listen. But back to the film. I thought this was a very good entry in the Puppet Master series, as this was intense throughout. Even though this film has a running time of 59 minutes. I know. Running times are an issue with full moon films these days. I know, I know, I know. But it's not about quantity, it's about quality. And this film is very good in quality here. The fact that this film has very good direction by Dave Parker, who people might know directed such films as the underrated full moon film, The Dead Hate the Living, and the director video cult classic, The Hills Run Red. He does a very good job with the way he directs this film here. I really like Dave Parker's direction here. As he's a director who I wish had more opportunities to direct in the horror genre, quite frankly. Even if it's indie or so what, I wish he had more opportunities. Because he's a very talented director, I think. He does a very good job with this entry of the Puppet Master franchise. I like the way that he directs some of the film's death scenes as it has a terrifying feel to it, like the opening scene or the morgue scene, just as a couple of examples of his good direction here. He also makes sure that this film has a level of dread to it, as this is probably one of the darkest Puppet Master films in the series. And Parker does a very good job in the way he handles the material here, as this is very dark and very bloody, quite frankly. And it's good that he's still able to handle that material very well. He did it with, like, The Hills Run Red. He's still able to make 
the action work so well. And he does it here in this film. He also does a really good job directing his cast as he makes sure that the performances are good enough so that it doesn't hinder the film as sometimes with a cast of unknowns like this film. Even though you had a couple of AEW stars, you had a cult film actress in Melissa Moore, most of your leads here are unknowns by like the fact that Parker does a good job in the way he directs them to the point that it makes the performances good and keeps you interested in the story. I also like the screenplay here. I like how the writer does a good job building this suspense. Uh, he takes his time with the way he approaches the death scenes here. Some of them had a nice suspenseful feel to it. Some of them were just downright gory, which really made it a entertaining film. He does a good job developing his main character throughout the film as everything builds to a shocking ending, which is very different for a Puppet Master film. As I can't remember a Puppet Master since maybe Curse of the Puppet Master, where the film had a shocking ending. But here... It works out very well, and that is a credit to the writing in this film. As this is really one of the better entries of the Puppet Master franchise, I also like the effects in this film. There are some very good gory effects in this film, especially towards the end of the film. The effects there were just great. I think that the filmmakers did a great job with the way they handled the effects throughout this film. And for a low-budget film, it looked very good. This is one of the better entries of the Puppet Master franchise, as Puppet Master Dr. Death is a bloody entry that is intense throughout. And it's a credit to its direction from Dave Parker and the screenplay that he had. As if you're a Puppet Master fan, definitely check out Puppet Master Dr. Death. I promised you a double interview episode last episode. That didn't happen. But it's happening next episode, as I will be talking to Jay Crimson, as he has two films, Green Hell and The Witch, on Troma Now streaming service. He'll be on the podcast to chat about those films. Then I will be chatting with Brian Matthew Ward to talk about his Indiegogo campaign for his upcoming film, Voyeur. Then episode 96. It will be my review of WrestleMania 39, as that's fast approaching. You'll get my thoughts on night one and night two of the event. That's what's coming up on the podcast. With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. You can find the podcast official Facebook page, Instagram page, and on the Slasher app at Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling. Don't forget, you can listen to past episodes of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show over at YouTube.com slash Film Arcade Media and DocDiscussions.com. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Spotify, and other podcast providers. I also have an official Facebook group for Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show Podcast over on Facebook. Just type in Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show over on Facebook and go into the group section and you can join the official group. With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a good day. Support indie wrestling. Support indie horror.
This has been a Film Arcade Media production.